Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, that, that kind of fell off a cliff. <laughs> uh, Melissa David. That's I promised. I said I would start with Melissa David, so I'm starting with Melissa David. Melissa David. Uh, that's how we're starting the show. Brent Cron is here, and the reason I'm starting with Melissa David is I am in so much cr- trouble. Uh oh. I had one job, and you failed, and I failed it. Uh oh. I was supposed to introduce you to the executive director of Parachutes for Pets because they want you to be an ambassador. Yes. And I gave her the wrong number. So she could not understand why you were not responding. And it, in fact, made some very outlandish claims, quite honestly. Right. Um, which I knew not to be true. And then I said, let me get at the bottom of this. And then I gave you her number, which miraculously worked the first time. And as a result, I believe you are now taking a tour of the new advocacy center on Thursday. Sure am. And I was at a staff meeting this morning where I was told that I it was mandatory for me to start today's show because you were going to be on by saying Melissa David. I appreciate the fact that you are publicly giving me your apology. No. Because I, I felt like I was doing something wrong. No. No, and, it turned out and, it was me. And it turned out it was you. And not yeah. very often do I get to say that to somebody that, hey, it was actually your fault. Because usually it's like, oh, yes, of course. No, I don't, I don't, I don't believe that. Yeah, well, I don't believe that to be true. Well, fair enough. You're right. you're a good man. You're, you, no, you, you, it, you're the good man. And I hopefully have, have I better turn off the ringer because she might call during the show. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want that. Um, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for doing this. You bet. It's not that long ago that you were here, but it's also very timely that you're back because we are sitting in this uh, nexus of all kinds of corresponding streams of consciousness and things going on that I need to pick your brain about. Well, that's good. When last we spoke, the Calgary Flames were looking for a general manager. The Calgary Flames now have a general manager, Craig Conroy, former teammate of yours, one might say. One might say. And you know what? And we kind of knew, I mean, that was the, that was the, that was the pick, right? We knew or we hoped? Hoped. I, hope. I, 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 if you were going to ask me if I were to, to bet, I would have bet, but it wouldn't have not have been a substantial sum where I would have been left. Would not with have nothing. been the house and no. everything that went with it. I was hoping for it because I think this is what it's like Batman. It's not, what's the saying? I mean, never mind. I lost it, but we, we need him. We need a guy like Craig Conroy with his positivity, his, yes. his, 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 his hockey IQ, yes. his, his humility. We need all that in Calgary to build a team that supports its players, that gives them uh, the ability to, to, to be creative on the backside of that, also being accountable for the mistakes that they make and work hard and work as a unit. And I do believe that, that Connie has done everything he can up to this point 
in reiterating that and uh, his decisions moving forward. Obviously, bringing in Dave Nonis to help him out with a bunch of stuff and coach is still on. Did you have you crossed paths with Nonis before at any point? Never, no, ever, eh? ever, ever, no. That one was odd to me in the sense of it. It it wasn't something that jumped out at me, and it was not you know. I mean, Craig's got a Rolodex. Like, well, I guess we don't say Rolodex anymore, but mm-hmm. Craig's phone is full of of contacts, and I I had no doubt that that Dave Nonis was one of them. I was a little bit surprised to hear that, yet seems very complimentary to what they're trying to achieve here. Yeah, you know, it didn't cross my mind either, and I just assumed that being the guy that he is, if he you know Nonis has been around a while and believing what I hear, that come in and help negotiate contracts and support. Craig, in any manner, Nonis being the guy, sure, why not? If that's what they want to do, that was not that didn't catch me off guard. But I wasn't also thinking he was the guy. Oh, that's a no brainer for Nonis. It makes no sense to me. But uh, um, at at the in the same breath, these guys know what they're doing, and and Craig obviously wants in there. Were you surprised by anything that that had come out in the uh, in the media conferences and stories around subsequently around Craig? I mean, I, I. to your point, I think we were all thinking he was the right choice. They make the decision. He's the choice. He said the right things. Uh, you know, unfortunately, it's kind of got to wait a month here before he can really, you know, start to put his fingerprints on this team. Yeah. You know, and, and Except, I guess got to hire a coach, but. But, right. I mean, right. There, there, there's obviously the, all the reports are leaning towards internal candidates, but you just, you just don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, the Nothing is surprising when you, ask people about Craig Conroy being the general manager. I have not met one person. I've not spoken to one person right away saying, oh, it's a bad idea. Why would they would have hired? A guy that's been, first of all, speaking on his merit, been in an organization for 12 years after having a, a, a great NHL career, yep. to be in one organization, to learn the business for 12 years. You know, everybody brings up the fact that you got to pay your dues. And there are some guys that are just good enough not to pay their dues or the the, the opportunity presents itself sooner and they get to learn along the way. And, a guy like Craig Conroy, he was he's been patient, right? Mm-hmm. And, and 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 so good on him because there's not you know, loyalty is hard to find, <laughs> right? And and especially in pro sports where nobody needs to be loyal to you. You know, when you're playing the game and you know you feel like you're you're loyal to the organization that's paying you, obviously you got to perform in order for that to happen. But it's a painful lesson too when you're not performing and you're just kind of at the end of your rope, they just cut you loose, say next, next, next. So when it's on the the player or the 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 uh a guy like Craig after his season to just learn, put in the time. And so he's done all of that, right? So that that checks that box amazing. Cause I don't know how many guys would mm-hmm. do that, right? And then you go to the players and they interview, they get interviewed about, you know, what do you think about Craig Conroy? There's there's just there's not a bad word said about the guy. Yeah. Not one from yep. his character to his hockey IQ. To his the way he communicates, I mean, everybody knows how infectious his personality is, how positive he is. Well, let's not confuse that with not being competitive because the guy's nuts when it comes to winning, right? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because that's the one thing that I've kind of have felt that I've had. I don't know why I feel this way, but I kind of feel like I have to say the dog's got some bite. Yeah, for sure. And and you know when you describe a guy, it's like, oh, he's a great guy. Mm-hmm. Well, how does that help you being a general manager in the National Hockey League or whatever? The first thing he says, oh, he's a great person. He's great, but being a good guy, we've seen a lot of jerks over yeah. the years, you yeah. know, done, do, do incredibly well too. Right. So what does him being a good guy have to do with it? Right. It, it, you can work on the flip side. I played for a lot of good guys before that don't 
can't command a room or can't you know communicate you kind of look at him more as a friend you don't take him seriously yeah for a guy like craig i think he'll be able to find that balance he's been around long enough he has professional relationships with players he supports them you know much like a brad tree living too mm -hmm. right where, where brad has got good relationships with players obviously not everybody can get along that's the way it goes yeah but i think craig great he's a great guy great who cares the guy knows what he's doing and and you know what if he stumbles out of the gate too or you know things just i he's he, he's got perseverance he works hard he's been around a long time and the guy will be able to figure it out and if he needs any help he's like the thing i always bring up about him is his humility right like you can be very good at something and you have to know when you're not good at something and i think he's got one of those you know that that humility to him where if he struggles in an area he will go for help he will not be afraid to say hey i don't know what to do here hey what do you think what's right. going on right? right and that and that's not a sign of weakness that's a sign of intelligence and i think that that's what craig will bring to the table i i am fascinated too by uh, he is from the Brad Tree Living School. I mean, he he worked under Brad for nine years. There's a lot of similarities. Like they're very both, you know, real character, personable guys that you know lots of us have relationships with. They they build relationships. This is not like your coach where you're going from a hard ass coach to a player's coach. Yeah. There's a there's a lot of similarities between the guy he's replacing and and Craig. Absolutely, and. The and and there's there, there's trust too even if it's bad news mm. that that you get the, the the right story right hey you know what we think you're uh you know tremendous hockey player but you don't have the right fit for the organization yeah. whoever that may be that's not something that you'd have to figure out right that's something that would be communicated to you and brad was good at that too that if it didn't work he was upfront and honest and cared about the player and it's not always what you want to hear but there's been so many guys i've played with over the years that they don't know where they stand within organizations and you and 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 it's the message is delivered in such a way where, you know, just work hard and see what happens type thing. I think that there's a passion for the, for the individual, right? There's a passion for the player. And obviously the success of the organization is paramount and it's, it's, it's at the forefront. But in order to do that, you have to get buy-in from people. And if you're going to sit down with Craig Conroy and you're just, you know, nine, eight, you know, 17 year old kid getting ready for the draft, what's going to happen? What are we doing? You sit down with Craig, he'll be able to give you a good indication of what players that the flames are looking for depending on what where you are in the draft or if you're a free agent or where not how you fit in and if we want you he'll pursue you and and yeah. and, and there'll, there'll be that buy-in you know what i mean i always talk about too with playing in canada is, is difficult i mean the the two major markets montreal toronto i mean there are a certain type of people that want to be there most don't but you there is a, a lot of hype around there you got the vancouver it's a nice place to live mm-hmm well, then you got the Ottawa's, the Winnipeg's. I mean, Calgary, not so much in that group, but even Edmonton, you know, they have McDavid and obviously that new building and Dryside on that new building up north there. But it takes a little bit more to get players to come up here now, too, even with, oh, yeah. right? It's not yeah. just, uh, hey, you got, uh, you know, we're playing in Texas, it's tax-free. There's no state tax, sorry, or Florida or whatever, yeah. Vegas. Yeah. Come down here, you get to live down, you get to go golfing all year round. The, the weather's nice. You know, people don't know your name, uh, you know, four blocks from the rink. You have a bit of anonymity here doesn't matter if you're from wherever you know and you show up and you're playing your first people know who you are you go to restaurants downtown hey you know you were minus three last night buddy what's going on yep right and so to to attract people to come to calgary is having a guy like craig conroy being an ambassador plus holding the position he has it's it's an attractive combination I see for for him to try to attract maybe uh, potentially some free agents over here too. Yeah, I, I again it's it's beginning to become old news. I mean he's in he's in Buffalo right now I believe at the combine, and the early word or the word is from Elliot Friedman and other insiders they're beginning to 
you know, thin down the list of, of coaches. And I do want to get to coaches in a second, but I'm going to, there's a specific reason why I want to delay the coach conversation. Cause uh, it's actually might be the big theme here this afternoon for you and I, um, skipping ahead. Do you, did you watch game one? Do you, I did. You did eh? yeah. What's the attraction for you? The delay didn't kill you, obviously. No, it, it it didn't. I I'm cheering for Vegas because you played there as a no, regular. Not even close. Okay, you know, <laughs> yeah, there are <laughs> zero ties to that organization. Yeah. Um, I think one uh, Matt Kachuk is of an attractive player. He's a player you love to hate when you play against him. He's he's a personality. He makes it. Did I say Matt? Yeah, that's right. Right. Yeah, I was going to confuse Matt Daniel. You remember Daniel? Yeah, but, but Matt, Matt. Yeah, oh, I do. I remember okay. Daniel. Kuchuk. Right. Yes, okay. we do here. We're the only stop that does. But yes, we remember him. <laughs> you know, and and so you you got. I, I'm sorry. I'm going to get back to why I'm cheering for Vegas in a second. But you got Kachuk in the final. He's been having a tremendous playoff. You got Bobrovsky on a bit of a tear, but he's only played 15 games too. Let's keep in mind, right? Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So people are getting kind of lost in his Bobrovsky sure. spiel. I get it. Yeah. I think Vegas. What I'd like, I'd love to see Vegas win simply because it would be, you know, they were the first team, uh, sport, pro sports team in Vegas, right? Yes. Uh, and if they could bring a championship to, to the Vegas, I would love to see what that looks like with a bunch of guys that are kind of doing it by committee. They've been through four goaltenders this year too, which I which I appreciate. Is it four or more? Or maybe well, four four minimum, right? right? I mean, yeah, I'm probably I think missing. They've been through almost four in the playoffs, but yeah, I know what right, you're saying. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you sit there, and then obviously Aiden Hill, Calgary guy, he's playing out of his mind. And that that paddle save he made at the beginning of the second period Saturday night, I didn't even believe it was in Cousins when he redirected the puck. Was his blades were turned to go celebrate with his buddies, yeah. and then he had to readjust them because it's like, what is going on here? How did yeah. this not go in? Um, did you ever make one of those? I did, but it did not at not at a uh, hard to believe, but not at a time like that. No, it's not hard to believe. You went to a, you went to a Calder Cup final, <laughs> but you make those saves. I did, and it's like it's crazy because you know you're so caught up in the moment it doesn't even matter. Like you don't even think, "Wow, that was a great save." Wow, I'm awesome. Wow, it just none of that even. You don't have time to think. Wow, I'm awesome. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes. You don't have time to pat yourself on the back with that yeah. when you can appreciate it after the fact. But when you make those saves, like, oh my God, I stopped it. Yeah. Okay, well, now I got to scramble and 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 get back in. So, and and thanks to the guys for showing us the save here. Are you? Because let's let's be perfectly blunt here and have a goalie conversation. He's out of position. Hundred percent. But on that play, though, too, there's not a chance for him to be in position, right? Okay, like, that's fair. Right. But he is out of position. A million percent. And okay. and he had to adjust, right? The pass right. is coming from his blocker side to his glove side. You think he's in a one time? It passes it back door. It's a tap in. So if that goes a couple of inches over and slides into the net, is he getting blown up in nope. the next day? Not at all. Okay. Everything happens so so quick. Okay. In in tight. Okay. Right. And and for him just to have the uh, I mean, first of all, let's not kid ourselves. It's luck. Right. I mean, a save like that is. is oh, no, no. Is, is, is not based on any type of skill whatsoever. That's a Hail Mary throwing yourself backwards. Right. It's a desperation save. You don't give up on the puck until it's crossed the goal line. Having yeah. said that, you see the athleticism in his body to be able to change direction that fast. His body's sliding left. Then he's moving his upper body right to fall back and drop a stick down. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, 9.9 .9 times out of 10, that goes in the net. But at, at this particular time, I think Braden Holtby made one of those. Well, that was the, the social post. It was almost not five years to the day, but five years yeah. since since Holtby did that, right? right? Against who? The Vegas Golden Knights. Right. And so you sit there and it's like, wow, you kind of the stars 
are aligning. And, yeah. when, and when you make that type of save and you look at how calm Hill has been, I mean, he came in in the Oilers series where there was no pressure on him. He just had to come in there. Brisson gets against hurt. the two best offensive players of this day and age. Right. right? Yeah. yeah. Comes in and yeah. oh, hum. I'm just going to go there and go about my business. And then, you know, he played like he's playing now and he, he got more confidence throughout the Dallas series. Mm-hmm. They get up to a three, nothing lead and Dallas Ottinger wasn't fantastic. And, and Hill outplayed him though. Right. Which it doesn't right. matter. It, you got to outplay your competition. All that matters. That's all that matters. And now you got your come. I mean, and Hill's only played 12 games, right. Where, where Bobrovsky's played 15. I think it's how the playoffs have worked out with injuries and stuff. Mm-hmm. So he's not tired mm-hmm. and you're coming into now the, you got three more wins and you win a Stanley. It's hard. You, you can't think like that. You got to think one more win and we're up. And then, you know, you kind of got to work your way incrementally. But he is such an easy person to cheer for. Sure. And 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 he is basically one of the main reasons why I'm cheering. Did you for ever him. bump into him in a camp? Never. Calgary kid. He never did David's camp when you were. I don't working. even remember. I, I would help out Dave a little bit, but I okay. wasn't I wasn't full time. What I do know was the fact that he's a he's a member out of Carmody, I think, down of course, the, the South, golf part, sure. Yeah, the I, goaltending, no, right, but not the golf a, part, yeah, yeah. And I'm not, and as you know, I'm not much of a golfer. <laughs> no, but I got, God, no. But I got I got several, one, what? Oh yo, you know what? But that wasn't skill involved. That, no, that, but that you was got my one. that was my hill. You Hail just Mary talked about that save, it's the same thing. For sure. It hit it hit about three rocks, a tree, and skipped on some water and went in the net. That's right. The, 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 whatever the hole that little yeah. net in the hole whatever yeah and and the guys that that know that don't know him but know who he is and he's out there and even the, yeah. the 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 people uh that that work at the golf course say what a good guy he is sure right yeah. and everybody wants a piece and everybody will want a piece of him now if if oh, it doesn't abs- matter absolutely if, if, they, if, they if they win or if they don't everybody will want a piece of him now yeah um but uh, yeah, I I think he's phenomenal. I'm cheering for him 100. percent So you're taking Vegas. I am. Um, you know, and it's, you made up a really good point about the first you know major league team there. There was AAA ball, and there was the UNLV Running Rebels. You could make a case we're professional in the 80s, but that's neither here nor there. What staggers me is that we are not that far removed from this being the biggest joke in the world. Are you kidding me? They're going to put a team in Vegas. This is the dumbest thing. Who do they think they are? Like that idea was poo-pooed from pillar to post. Yes. And I I don't hear a whole lot of people going mea culpa because now what are we looking at? We're looking at an NHL team, an NFL team, a major league baseball team. And you can be damn sure that if, if the NBA expands, they're going there for sure, for sure. And, it's not like they're having trouble filling the seats. Like I've had, I've never been to a game, so I'm not speaking on firsthand experience. Everybody that I know that's been to one says outside of the game too, just the amount of entertainment that you get with how they well, pr- promote it internally. I was too. watching that too. Did you see the, like the, they do the nights and on this. Oh yeah. The beginning, the whole, the I whole. feel a little, I feel a little sheepish about this. <laughs> and let me tell you why. Let me, let me admit my guilt to you. Um, Kami People forget Mike Commodore briefly played for the Ottawa Senators. Yes. He played in that year in which they went to the playoffs and 300 was a big thing. And they got the oiled up gladiator to go out and give the big speech on the ice. (laughs) And I still think that's one of the silliest things I've ever seen yet. I'm cool. If they want to fight dragons. Yeah. I know, but there's so much to it. Plus, I mean, if the product sucks, yeah, it's tough. It's a tough sell. Yeah, but for the most part, they've been a pretty they've been they've been a pretty good team since their inception. But the inception is the part that I struggle with. I I do 
and I understand it. I fully get it. You could not bring another expansion franchise in the NHL and let them flounder like they did in, in Atlanta, Nashville. You might even say in a way Columbus really yep. hasn't recovered yet. Right. Um, and I get that, but I think there's a book to be written about that being the most incredible opportunity ever handed to an expansion franchise in terms of talent. They got quite the break. They, uh, I think they did. And uh, I don't um, think Seattle, Seattle, Seattle got it better get the same, than everybody no. else, but not the same. No. Agreed. And they wanted that to succeed. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, I wasn't paying attention to it at the start, but all of a sudden you start seeing these free agents, they're getting the players they're picking up. And like, wow. Like usually I think I, you know, when, when like Minnesota and Columbus came into the league, I think that was the year 2000. Yep. I mean, they were, they were garbage. The, the right? San Jose comes in the league. It was terrible. Ottawa bad. Yeah. Oh, I know. Right. You, you knew that if you were an expansion team, you were destined to be garbage for five years. Right. Yeah. And, Right, that was the easily deal. the Panthers in three years made it, but they made it on the back of John Van Beesbrook yes. and a bunch of good young kids. Yeah. Right, yep, agreed. But that didn't really translate to any future success. No, no, it was a one, or, one and done. Or, and then they got or, rolled by Colorado, right. right? Or ticket sales or nothing. Yeah, yeah. Nobody was like, "Wow, we got to go watch the Panthers play." Yeah. You're not, you weren't winning over a market down there. But, but Vegas, I mean, yes, they were afforded a leg up, and they've good on them for being able to. Did. Oh no, and and, and I'm not I, again. I'm not. I'm not suggesting they should have done the honorable thing. It sucked. That's not what I'm saying at all. I just. I don't know. Tough it, yeah. It's tough to swallow. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. But and then and then I got the Kachuk factor on. I like Matt. I do too. I think he's great for the game. Yeah, I like what he's doing. Yeah, he he's he he walks the line. And can you imagine being his linemate if you don't have a pulse or if you're trying to just kind of fly under yes, the radar? Yes, because we saw variations of it for six years. Exactly, right? Where where you got to be pulled into the game every night and yeah. Kachuk's going to be in there face washing and spraying snow and scoring overtime winners. You know, and, and I'm sure he'll be fine, uh, but that little, you know, Back when I played, we're going to talk. We're, we're we are going to talk about this. Absolutely. We're, we're going to talk about the old time machine. There was two instances in that game Saturday night where these little floater sauce passes up the middle just get cut off. And mm -hmm. it led to a shorthanded goal going one way, the first goal for Florida. Yeah. And then by up, a former teammate of yours, Eric Stahl. Right. Did you see the picture on social? No, I didn't. Somebody put former uh, Lowell Lock Monster great Eric Stahl <laughs> in his jersey. Yeah. And the first guy I thought of <laughs> was, was you. That was oh, that's <laughs> awesome because it's so funny. I was watching the game with my wife. And she's like, is that Eric Stahl? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. She's like, he's still playing. I'm like, yes. Does that mean something to you? The guys that you skated with are still in the league. You Does know, that keep you young? You no, know, I don't know what necessarily means. It makes me feel, I don't know. It's like I was... It does, yes. To answer your question, absolutely it does. Yeah. But I sit there and I was talking with a buddy of mine who played who's a little, a little bit older than myself. And I'm just saying, could you imagine being Eric Stahl right now playing in today's National Hockey League versus when we all started playing? Yep. You, you know, just the, like I had a, and this is just minor nitpicking stuff, but young guys would come up and they'd have different nicknames for Gatorade. And, and you'd be like, shut up. It's it's called Gatorade. It's not mm -hmm. Gadesy. You know, like <laughs> Settle down over there, right? Like, you know, yeah. just give me some of the aid. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like the little nuances of it. Yeah. It's like, yeah. well, there's new guys. We call it something different and we're all super cool. And it's like, I can't imagine being in a dressing room full of, you know, early 20, mid 20 year old guys. I think Stahl is 38 now, 39, yeah. sitting there and having to put up with that crap, you know, uh, but that's, that's just real life. That is the reality uh, of the situation. Um, but, but guys that I, the, the very few that are still left, the, Three that come to mind are obviously Stahl, Jamie Benn, and Mark Giordano. Um, I'm sure there's a, maybe 
one more out there. Uh, but you cheer for them. I, 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 and you know, I, I know that Eric's won a Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'd be cheering for him. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's so much fun to watch because I'm. Look at me now. You couldn't yes, tell I wasn't. Look athlete, at you now. Right? Well, but, and, but you, you got the stories, man. You got you played with these guys. You got the perspective. It's it's just it's nuts. And I remember playing with with Eric and how he was so talented. He was yeah. so competitive. Yeah. Great vision, awesome hockey IQ, and that team in Lowell was a really good hockey club. We had Chuck Kovacu on the team. Obviously, Commodore was there. We had Colin Forbes, uh, Chad LaRose, um, you know Cam Ward, right? <laughs> yes, right. I know. And that lockout year was phenomenal because the Providence Bruins run where they had Patrice Bergeron and um, oh man, I, I'm drawing a blank here for some of this stuff. But you feel it. Philly had Jeff Carter and uh, yep. anyway, all these guys yep. that are just you're just like that that league during the lockout. Manchester Monarchs had Mike Camilleri. Mm-hmm. It was just the, the, the league itself was phenomenal. And it yeah. was so much fun to play in because a lot of up and coming guys that at the time were like, hey, this guy's, you know, this Patrice Bergeron guy, you know, he's going to be something. He'll be okay. He'll be good. He'll right? be good. Pay attention to him. You know, he's Mike, you know, and I, and if I could find the photo, I have a photo in the binder from some uh, fan from Lowell that made me a binder of, of all the, she took, she took pictures of all the, she took the pictures. Yeah. yeah. And she put it into like a scrapbook and gave it to me. And then my, at that time I was like, no, oh, thank you. This is great. And now I wish I could actually find it. Cause it's like, that's, that's forever ago. That's almost 20 years ago. I know. And I have a picture of I me know. stopping Berger on, 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 on right when the shootout started to come out. Oh yeah. 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 And I was completely out of position and I made the, it just, it was, I tell everybody I made was the, the shootout part of, cause there was a whole bunch of rule packages and testing that they did during the 0405 AHL. That was a trapezoid too behind the net. Yeah. And uh, they fattened the blue lines, right? Yes, they did. They fattened the blue lines. And did you have the camera? Remember they put the rail camera? Because uh, I remember going and watching the Edmonton Roadrunners of the American Hockey League, and they had the rail camera. So they were testing a rail camera that would follow the play up and down. But it ruined like the first ten rows <laughs> in the ba- in the most expensive seats, right? Because yeah. it was right in everybody's way. Yeah. No, I never had that. Oh, okay. It, it was a trapezoid. I remember that. And they they switched up the icing too. It was it went to a no touch icing. That's right. Yeah. If you got to the top of the circle, then it was okay. Whoever got to the top of the circle first, that yeah, it's yeah, icing yeah. because I still played back when you had to and go took, touch. Did they not take out the red line in that? Was that part of the package, or did that come with the end of the lockout? That came no. They took the red line out. We even when I was playing junior. Okay. Okay. So that was as far as I remember. Geez, now you're dating me here, but I think that that's. I, I mean, another funny fact is, is I warmed up when I was playing for the Hitman, still when they had separate separate warmups. That's right. Remember yeah, that? you mentioned that last time you were yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, just stuff like that that changes over the course of time. So it's spe- awesome. So speaking of change, um, Mike Babcock. Yeah, looks like he's coming back to the National Hockey League. Looks like he's going to coach in Columbus um, after four or five years away. Um, you know, was you know, out paid out a ridiculous amount of money by Toronto. Oh, I guess it wasn't five. It was only three, three years ago. Geez, it felt longer than that, but pre COVID and, and all of that. So he's gone. Uh, now he's coming back. We just went through this exercise with Daryl Sutter this year or the last couple of years. He moves on this year. Um, I wanted to talk to you about the change of the player. Um, we had a guest on Friday, he's a season ticket holder, and we went right up to the edge where he almost called the players woke and snowflakes. Didn't quite do it, but was hinting at that. You saw Rick Bell wrote a column in the, the Sun calling players snowflakes, and it got me thinking that, you know, 
I, I talk about this all the time that the player I've seen the player change. I for sure you talked about the player change. Um, are you okay with the way things are going? Or are, are, are we are we letting the player off the hook? Are we finally starting to be reasonable with the player? Are our players woke now? Whatever that means. You know, I complain about it a lot. You know, I I I shake my head sometimes. I sit there and like, my God, if if one of you you know had a spine or could um, stand up for yourself in a mature way, or or you know, like when I was twenty one, mm -hmm. I just went out and did the best that I could, whether I was whether it showed on the ice, whether the whether mm -hmm. the results were there or not. Mm -hmm. I knew I was going to get not necessarily yelled at, but potentially singled out, mm -hmm. um, held accountable. And the worst thing was is being held accountable in front of your teammates when you knew it was your fault. And you you know as an athlete mm -hmm. or even I mean as a person, you know when you screwed up. Yeah. Right. Like, yep. Now, if you're going to make that a big deal in front of everybody, it's embarrassing. So mm -hmm. what are you going to do about it? And that I always understood the fact that the coaches had a short window to to um get the results that they needed mm -hmm. and so a lot of them would rule and fear is a very aggressive word fear is like he's not you know he's sitting on a, you know he's not hammering but but i know that if somebody needed to rattle my chain every once in a while to get me going mm -hmm. right like i you know if you're getting if you're playing well or things are struggling but you're in a good spot and the guy's nice sometimes you just need somebody to come and just rattle the tree a little bit for right wrong and different mm -hmm. just come wake you up a little bit because mm -hmm. you can get pretty set in your ways mm -hmm. i get frustrated with today's player because I don't know. I'm not in the dressing room anymore. I don't mm -hmm. know what it's like. I don't know what level of communication there is. Because I I played on teams that there would be leaders on the team. Uh, a prime example would be a guy like Warren Peters. Yep. Um, not many Flames fans may remember him. May I, not. I, I think, yes. I, I don't think a lot about Warren Peters, but I think about Warren Peters kind of often because what should have been. Yes. And and Warren, is a Warren was a leader. Yep. He probably still is a leader. Yep. I remember being in certain situations with him. I played with him. Uh, in Quad City, I played with him in in, in in Austin in Dallas's farm system, and he was one of those guys that Glenn Gulletson was a good coach. Yep. Glenn Gulletson was a, was a players coach, <clears throat> but I remember Warren being the 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 intermediary between the two. I remember, I remember I'll never forget it. Uh, where we played a Friday night in Chicago against the Wolves, I got pulled. This is Gully's first year being the head coach of the, of the Texas Stars. Saturday we go and I think we play Grand Rapids or Milwaukee or something like that, and then Sunday we come back and play Chicago again at two thirty in the afternoon. And after the game Saturday, uh, so I got pulled Friday. Matt Clammy goes on Saturday after the game. Glenn Gulletson says, "Hey Croner, you're going to start tomorrow against Chicago again. Be ready." And Warren Peters comes to me and goes, "Hey Croner, he goes, uh, Gully came to me and he asked, you know, what's his psychology can he battle back can he bounce back you know i played for gully in the coast for 14 games that's not a sample size no no figure, right? yeah 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 and warren said yeah no he can and so warren came to me and says hey you know like i told gully like you're ready to go when i believe you are and i, I played against him in junior too like i've known warren for a little sure. long period of time yep. but he's like hey like there's like i'm i'm on the line here too man yeah like we yep. need you we need yep. you like let's go here right yep and he was one of those guys as as, as, as crusty as he was and as good of friends as we we were when we played I never wanted to let a guy like that down. Right. Ever. Right. And I wasn't worried about the coach being mad at me. I was worried about my teammates being mad at me. I was worried right. about the leader being mad at me. So right. I just use uh, Craig McDonald's another great example of that. There's another guy. Right. Yep. Where these guys were just, you know, they could, they should have been in the national hockey league. Yep. They were leaders, but their value was almost being in the American league, getting guys ready. And they didn't get paid nearly enough for the crap that they had to put up with and be intense for all 72 games in the American league at the time. Mm-hmm. 
And so you see the, with these guys, and they, they would pull you aside, and there would be a, a legitimate. Uh, I, I remember even some rookies in our team would say, you know, like, like uh, I, Warren, he intimidates me. Mm-hmm. You know, he intimidates, but he's but he's your teammate, mm-hmm. right? And he's not going to embarrass you in front of your teammates, but he's going to pull you aside. Mm-hmm. And you know, and it was fair game too. There were there was lots of eagles that you have to battle with, mm-hmm. but it's fair game. It's like Warren's not pulling his weight. Somebody's gonna say, "Hey, let's go," mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know what goes on nowadays. I just see the 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 end result, and I just see a lot of uh, the game is obviously a lot more fast. It's a lot more skilled. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, that's that's you can't argue that. There's a lot that people get away with too, right? And I think that that um, which people players Thank as, you. Okay. as, as yep. far as yep. as sauce passes up the middle in game one of the <laughs> Stanley Cup final, right? Well, I mean, previously mentioned. Right. You're, yeah. you're, you're going to give, and you're and let me preface it by saying you're going to give Kachuk the benefit of the doubt because he does so much good that those mistakes are going to happen. Right. So that's not the issue. He knows that. Nobody needs to go and tell him, hey, what are you doing? No. He knows. Yeah. But I think what's actually lacking is the fact that there's no leaders anymore as far as in the dressing room. There's leaders as far as work ethic because nobody wants to make things uncomfortable i think you hear stories of backland this year going up and having conversations with daryl but i don't know what a leader looks like on a team now to me the leader looks like he's blocking shots and working hard and he fights through a separated shoulder and he's missing teeth and those are guys those are your heart and soul guys but because they work hard you know you want to obviously you can be a leader but you need a guy that can be that buffer between the coach and the team. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if there are many guys left that can do it. That's not a very coveted job. No, you know, there's not a lot of guys that want that. They want to make their money. They want to score their goals. They want to do their interviews. They want to wear their fancy hats to a hockey game. I don't know. I, I mean, and maybe I could be dated in saying all this stuff. Fancy hats? I don't know. There's like fashion. You know, people show up in fashion. You know, I want to wear this suit. and they. Oh, think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, now I do understand. You know completely. what I mean? Like, there's a bit more of a it, brand. That part is silly. Yeah. That part is silly, yeah. And... And you know, like I said, I'm a I'm only 41, but I feel like a bit of a dinosaur when I watch you know these guys because I would just sit there and you know the whole uh, it to me it's just the 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 accountability of not only on the ice but kind of off the ice yeah. stuff yeah and uh, that's just times have changed and so now you gotta that's the way she goes See, but I don't I don't buy that the times have changed I I think there's two two separate things at work here. And I'm fascinated by where we got with you right here because you know I spend a lot of time worrying about leadership and yeah. think, I think that's the the greatest gift that sport can give. It, but why is it not showing up? Because are we removing that? Are we taking that out? Are we not allowing? Are we over controlling our players? Are we not allowing for mistakes? Are we? There's a million reasons. What I wanted to get to, Brent, with you was. Knowing what we know now about mental health, do you feel 20 years ago as a junior, 22 years ago as a junior, as a a young pro, as as a guy who now has to make a determination, am I staying with an organization or I'm going somewhere else? Do you feel that your mental health was taken care of? Do you feel that you were put in positions that you should not have been at the expense of your mental health? You know what? I, that's a very good question. Thank you. And, and I will, every once in a while, every once in a while, you come up with one. Hey, yeah. and tell you what, I being a first round draft pick, I put the world on my you sure did, and I felt like a failure from start to finish, essentially, right? And and I'm not don't say anything. I'm not bringing my small violin out here, but I sat there and thought, this is you know what the Flames have put their trust in me to be their goaltender of the future, mm-hmm. 
and how am I going to achieve that? And mm-hmm. I and, and I was playing hockey up until that point because I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And I sat there and I'm just like, you know what? Well, you know what? I I'll be worth it. And I went to my first training camp and didn't do great. Mm-hmm. You know, Don Hay was a head coach and Mike Vernon was goalie there and and you know the year i went back to junior had a bunch of injuries knee injuries and you know what i had tremendous amount of support from craig button from lanny mcdonald was around from morris boyer the training staff rich hesketh all these guys were just they were they were in my corners for the whole time yep um you know daryl comes daryl was great too like i was injured and daryl i remember going to seattle Daryl Sutter. Sutter, yes. Yeah, just I, yes, just, I know me. this. Yeah, no, yeah. but I want people to understand where this conversation is yeah. going. Yeah. You know what? I sit there and and you know, Daryl was great and yep. kind of laid expectations. And the thing is, like, I think the expectations the big thing. So, you know, Ian McKenzie, the old uh, head scout for the Flames back mm-hmm. in the day, he told me kind of my progression. And I didn't hit one of those key targets whatsoever, <laughs> ever, right? Injuries get in the way, timing was <laughs> wrong, whatever. And and I remember getting to the American League. After my lockout year in Lowell, mm-hmm. and you know, full disclosure, you know, Cam Ward and I played uh, uh, in the lockout year together, and mm-hmm. it was awesome. It was one of my favorite years of playing goal because I loved Cam. I thought he was awesome. He's a great guy. Yeah. Unbelievable goaltender. And I love playing because every time he would play, he would be lights out, and I knew I had to be lights out. I think we each got six shutouts. That he played more games, but he pushed yeah, well, uh, yeah. In a, know, in a friendly competition. Yeah, 100%. Way. You know yeah. what? It's like after the games, we were happy for each other. We wanted, like, oh, no, I got to be better. You know what? It was just, it was great. Mm-hmm. Get to Lowell, and I get a chance, to, or I get to Omaha, and I get to be a chance to be number one goaltender. Mm-hmm. Ryan McGill's head coach. I get pulled my very first game in Chicago, or against Chicago. I get sent down from the from the Flames. I wanted to play on the Flames that year. Yeah. You know, I mean, yep. who doesn't? Don't right. get me wrong. That's, that, that's yeah. not. That's uh, the goal. Yeah, that's the goal. Yeah. And I stuck around to the end of camp, and then they sent me down, and I just, see cam in carolina i'm like you know what like i want i want that you know and you and you start playing your little violin like oh what what was me why did that happen mm-hmm. to me and it pulled my first game boom and i played the next game against iowa we won one nothing and boom right like that like right, i got in not trouble but i got the old horse eye from ryan mcgill like hey the season started yesterday what's where are you go play the next game and gilly was extremely hard for me to play for, for mm-hmm. the first half of the season yeah it's awful I, I mentally, I was so worried about other people's opinion. I wanted to do good. I wanted not necessarily compliment, but I wanted to know that, uh, that he would, that the, my teammates would be proud of me. Yep. They'd be happy with my performance and yep. my coaching staff. Yep. I remember Tom Webster coming down and I was saying, Croner, what do we got to do to get you to the next level? You know what? I had my opinion. So, well, give me a chance. You know, throw me in, whatever. Sure. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, just the yeah, old yeah. cheeky nonsense. Yeah, yeah. And it was always there, you know, and, 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 support was there the whole time i mean daryl would come down watch a game and i'd be crap you know and i get the old look from him too and at the end of the year i remember uh sorry midway through the season ryan mcgill came to me and he's like hey you need to get going and you are going to play every game now until we're out of the playoffs and i and i think i played 19 in a row or 19 of 21 games Mm -hmm. and i'd never done that before Never. And I was terrified. And I always thought I needed a break. I always thought, you know, because I'm like, oh, you know, if, if I'm good, keep putting me in. If I'm bad, take me out. I was never playing sure. through adversity. And he was the very first guy on the ice that would just stick with it. And he would give me the business. He, I remember him standing on the bench yelling at me with, in front of eight fans in Omaha. And I'm sitting there and I think we were playing Peoria and, and, and guys came by. I was like, what's going on here? And I would just, and at the time, it took a lot. It took a lot out of me. And then when he came to me in February and I played, I just 
not transformed, but just kind of got used to it. Like if I got to, you got to be able to take a certain amount. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. not for free. Nobody's there to say, Hey, you know, they want you to succeed for the business aspect, the, the winning, mm -hmm. like there is a, there is an end game. They don't really care about you per se. They do, but they're, but you have to win. Yes. They have to get you to a certain spot. And of course they care, but just because they're mad at you doesn't mean that they don't care. Yeah. Right. And there's a fine line because you have to treat players with people with before it was a blanket, you know, you, you would find the most like guy on the team and you would rip on them because you knew that the whole team around would be like, that is BS. Mm -hmm. We're going to go to bat for that guy because we love him. Yep. And that was the, that was the way it went. Start the next season. I remember going into to Ryan McGill's office and I'm like, I'm harder on myself than you are. And blah, blah, blah. We kind of had a conversation about it. And he goes to me, he goes, I was just waiting for you to grow a spine, man. Like you're a good, like he, he complimented me from start to finish. He's like, you just need to believe in yourself. And just because somebody's hard on you, just because I'm hard on you, doesn't mean I don't think you're a good goalie. And I'm not going to compliment you every time you make a save because that's your job, right? Like mm -hmm. your job is to stop the puck. Your job is to win games. Yep. So if I'm going to compliment you every time you do that, the bar is pretty low, Yep. right? Yep. You're in professional sports. And it took me so long to figure that out because all I did was internalize everything and make it about me. It's like, well, why, why is he mean to me? What's happening? Why is he not talking to me? Mm -hmm. Why is he upset? Yep. There's a million things yep. that go on in life. And yes, you play for guys that are just don't get it and they're mean. And but you have to be able to have that internal confidence, which hardly anybody has. You have to learn as you go. And there, I have always admired the guys that had a bit of an edge. Right. So to answer your question, I had all the mental health support I could ever have dreamed of in the Flames organization, in the Dallas Stars organization. But I didn't realize that mm -hmm. until a couple of years down the road, right? And, and so I think now it's you got to treat. Tim different than Bob and Bob different than Jerry. And I get it because different things make different guys work. Mm -hmm. But when you get into that and you're so worried about everybody else, you kind of lose focus of the yep. team. Yep. And, yep. and I think that's what happens now as well. Okay. You know what? This guy only eats eat pancakes in the morning. Everybody's got to eat pancakes as we need him going. And, and for the, a lot of the guys that have been around for a while, it's like, you know, you, you walk in and say, Hey, this is ridiculous. Like let's we're a team here. We need to get going. We yep. need you. Yep. People can take accountability as as a personal offense, and they start working against each other. I just question sometimes the, the people, the 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 backbone that people have, because a lot of these players coming up too have been the best at everything the whole way through, and nobody's really throwing a challenge at them to mm -hmm. begin with, right? Why? Well, because you want them on your team. Every every time, every every when you're starting from minor hockey to midget to whatever, it's like well, we need the best player. We need the best player. We need to make it. We need to accommodate the best player. Accommodate the best player. And it's not wrong because there's so many options for these guys. So we're not allowing them to fail. No. So when they get up here and it. There's it, adversity. It, there's it, a it hurdle. Gets, right. They don't know how to process it. Well, right. and then because a, they've been. Yeah. And then a coach comes to you and says, hey, you're like this. Have you played hockey before? Like you're on a team here, buddy. There's like get the puck to bark off or whatever. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. yeah like, let's yeah. go here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It takes a while. It takes a while for guys to process that, and everything happens so fast. You're so young. I mean, there's the players are so young. I remember growing up watching, you know, guys like Eric Lindros and John LeClaire and mm -hmm. you know, guys that would look like men. You know, I mean, they were just big and heavy. And you watch. I mean, you watch highlights of hockey in the '90s, and it's hooking and holding and face washing. And yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's a different game. But now, I mean, I have the the the, the fortune, good fortune of running into uh, uh, a lot of players that uh, are, are are obviously just starting their their career, and they're 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 great shape mm -hmm. they're just robots 
you know, like, like they're just, they're conditioned to be this, they're conditioned to eat this, they don't do this, they're this, this, they're, here's my set of rules. And you don't break that mold, right? And and the good ones do, I think, the, the, the top tier guys, they, yeah. but there's, yeah, I just, there, there's just, there's such a mold for players and it's, and it's such a short window to A, make a lot of money and fame if that's your goal. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's a lot of, uh, like I said, once again, I'm not in the dressing room every day, so I can't say this. Mm-mm. without any objection but there's not a lot of farm kids that'll go in there and just or whatever small town guys or big city guys with a big heart that's got a spine that can just come in there and tip a garbage can over and, and rattle a few trees without it being the coach you know i think everybody's kind of more concerned about just maintaining a friendship and being nice to everybody and hopefully we can all just as long as we play xbox together and we're good buddies we'll come together but sometimes you learn so much more right. when you get into arguments right no, I, I, again, this is why I want to have the conversation. I did not have a preconditioned outcome for this conversation. I saw Mike Babcock's name yeah, and I saw kind of this, the, the sphincter around the NHL tightened up. Yeah. We just went through the process with Daryl and, and, you know, how uncomfortable it was and, and, you know, how much, how much it split the locker room. So you asked the question, have we moved past this? Is 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 that style? Because you said something was really interesting to me, and, and I, I've heard it a million times, and it was absolutely a, I don't care if you're a hard-ass coach or a player's coach, they all used it. Pick the popular guy, go after him, get everybody to rally around him. That's yeah. that's as old as time. Yeah, for sure. Right? Should it be? Should it be? No. It shouldn't if, because you get tired of kicking the garbage can. And if, and if the coach is the one that's leading the team the whole time, your team is going to suck, mm-hmm. right? It, it, the best teams I pl- played on were basically coaching themselves by yep. February, March. Yep. And, and there was an internal accountability right. that you didn't want to drop the ball on that one. And basically the coach was there to keep you on track and and put you through the pregame skate and do the practice. But the coach would be coming to the captain saying, Hey, you know, like, what, what do we need? To, what do we need this week? Right. What do we need? Right. Or, Hey, you know what? Uh, how's Bob's ankle or, or, you know, Hey, so-and-so is struggling a little bit. What's going on here. The pulse is, is just, you need that pulse guy. And, and a little, uh, a little uh, calling guys out kind of shows what you're made of too, though, a little bit, right? It's, you can go out there and- As and, a player. As a player. Yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be a shouting match. It doesn't have to be a, this, it's just, you know, hey, you know, we need a save, Brent. Mm-hmm. We we need a save. I'll, I'll Even in preseason, we're playing against the Blues and we're tied 2-2 and two bad goals and Mike Ribeiro stands up and, Croner, we're, we're, we're out playing St. Louis. We need you to be the difference in this third period. But preseason, I'm a nobody. I'm not even making the team. Yeah, they, they, you know, like there's nothing on the line for Ribeiro. There's nothing on the line. They're going to be on the team regardless. We need a save. We need a we need a save. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, you're 100 right because I'm thinking the same thing. But now you've told everybody. Now I better be on internally. I can try to. Oh well, maybe you know what they thought it went off somebody's skate or. And I'm not saying that's the case. Yeah, yeah. But guys, pay attention. Yeah, and, and it's good to air your grievances and it's good to be direct with, with your teammates because it it shows respect. Yeah. I think. Okay. Could you play for a um, a Carla McLeod who we've watched for the last two years very publicly coaching Chechia and very publicly has shown how she's you know kind of broken down and and in, invested in the players and inspired the players and you know gave them their roles and gave them their pats on the back. It's it's very much a a complete different approach than what we've seen traditionally at, at the nhl level could you play for a coach like that sure i could um 
I just, I, I, I know. But like doesn't I, that put a lot of responsibility back on you then? Yeah. Yeah, it does. But are, are you going to get called out for it? You know what I mean? Like, like. I think you're held accountable. I think she holds her players accountable. Yeah. Um, I just know how I was wired. Mm-hmm. And leave me alone. Sure. Great. And yeah. it was, it was fine. But. I always needed somebody to come in and just kind of just like I said, shake the tree. I yeah. think that today's player, you have that. There's there's different styles for different for different players. That style works too. I would imagine people could adapt to it, but there has to be an account accountability measure there somewhere. Regardless, yeah. yep. you, you're going to give the player just enough rope to hang himself with, yep. and say, hey, you know what? It's up to you. This is my ex- that you have to lay the expectation out though, right? A lot of people fail that part. They just come in and expect you to, you know, you're, you're this is the system we're playing. You're the third line guy. Blah, 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 blah. Well, what do you want to see from me? Yeah. Right? Right. And that part gets missed. Um, but yeah, you can play for more than one style of coach, but you have to have that honesty, that transparency, and that trust. Were, were you were you ever referred to or or considered a new type of player? Do you, you know what I mean? Because, you know, we, we're kind of, and, and I, there's a place I'm going here, and something we ended, a place we ended up last week, actually. And, you know, I, I, it's funny when you were talking about how these players, you know, they're, they're so young and everything. And I was thinking of the first NHL, we had the old NHL hockey book, the, the, the coffee table book that was probably written in 71. There, there might've been a picture of an LA King and a flyer, but it was mostly Canadians. And, and all those guys looked like they were my grandfather, right? Like <laughs> yeah, they, they just, and, they, they just looked yeah. like they were 80 years old. Yeah. Right. I mean, when you came in, did you have to deal with the, well, you, you know, when I was a young all the time, guy, yeah. all the time. So this is something that is constantly happening. For within, sure. Yeah. You mean, and it's funny, you talk to the guys even with the Flames alumni too, and it's not, it's this banter, right? Because, you know, like I'm feeling like I'm at the crotchety stage, you know, but then you got guys that have obviously were retired by the time I started playing hockey and you talk to them and it's mm-hmm. just, it's just the tra- transition of the game. I remember right. going and skating the Malarchuk summer camps. And there was a handful of guys I'd never even heard of that were playing the in, in Europe. Yeah. And they would just, uh, they would critique me from up one side and down the other. Oh, rust on the blades. Hey, kid, if I back when I would have played, that would have blah, 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 blah. And headshots off my mask. And, you know, just. Yeah. Yeah, that, no, no, that, no. <laughs> and that's, again, I'm just, I'm really trying to dig deep on, you know, okay, is Mike Babcock, bad is daryl sutter evil (laughs) or you know is this just another evolution because we anaheim named a coach today never heard of the guy now i've been out of the media for four and a half years and and i probably with a little bit of work i would have but there's hell that canadian team that won gold over the world hockey championships there's a couple guys i did i had to look up where they were from you need a psychology degree now to, to be a coach yeah I think you do, but you probably do to be a teacher. You probably do. You know, it's funny. You mentioned I, my big complaint, and I think we saw it right through COVID was we don't have leaders anymore. No, we have managers. Well, agreed. And that's, that's very well said, right? There's people in positions that it, it, it makes a lot of people uncomfortable to make a decision, right? When sure. you, if you have to decide, sure. there's a consequence, whether it's right or wrong. Right. And so the longer you can hold that off and float by, the longer you get to stick around in whatever level of comfort you have. We all want perfection. What we really need is good. Exactly. And you have to, and you have to not be afraid of failure in order to move forward. See, that's the one thing in this conversation that I, I wonder about this group of young players. I don't know it. I'm not, I'm not wondering it as a, you know, a way of, of insulting them. It's, I don't know. Are they, are they learning to fail? 
part of what I thought was really interesting about a guy that I'm going to, well, Jonathan Huberto was a West Gilbertson story or West talked to his former coaches as he was growing up. And they talked about, he wanted to play with the bad kids. He wanted to play with the kids, the levels below. He, he thought by making them better, that makes him better. That is so the opposite of yeah. every parent in hockey. Oh, my son's got to be the extra forward on the triple A team. He can't be the best player on the double B team. Well, or whatever we call it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just wonder if we have a generation of kids that are, are again, the, whatever we call them, the snowplow parents or, <laughs> or, the, but, but even the, the, you said something that's really interesting to me now is these kids are getting recruited for spring teams and for quadrant teams and for academies and for junior teams and everything like that. How much, how much of, how much real work goes into fail, you know, learning from your failures. If, if somebody's always going to excuse it, well, it's not your fault. It's that guy's fault. Yeah. Oh, I know. And I wonder how many teams they haven't made. You know what I mean? Cause getting cut sucks. It stings. It hurts. It's the worst. It hurts your feelings. Sure I've it been does. I would play in the B team my whole yep. minor hockey. It was yep. B team, B team, B team, B team. Um, but back to the to the accountability thing though too. Like when I we, I was chatting with a guy on Saturday night that I used to play hockey with, and and we were just talking about the passes up the middle. Like you throw a pass up the middle, your butt's stapled to the bench for the mm -hmm. rest of the game for a play like that. And good on him. But you know when it changed for me? What was Kachuk's first year, and he tried the between the legs. Huh. And and I remember going, oh well, good thing Daryl Sutter's not his coach. <laughs> Little did I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. you know, and then the evolution of that was a freaking overtime winner against Nashville. I know, right? I mean, you have to let them play. Like, don't get me wrong, you have to let them. But, play. but there's, there's guys that, oh my God, you turn the puck over. But there's not everybody can do it though. That's the thing. It's not a free for all for everybody to try a little sauce pass up. Football the is not a democracy, right? And Dave Dickinson says this all the time is you can want the same rules for all the players, but, but there aren't the same. They're players. not governed by the same rules. No, not at all. No. And that's what people don't understand either is the fact that, you know, your kid or this kid is better than your kid. Mm -hmm. So he's going to play more. Mm -hmm. How hard is that? Well, but we paid the same money. Right. Well, so now it's up to yeah. dollars and cents. And I get that. That's a, that's a stinger too. Sure. But are you in it to? But if you want, but but see, that's a decision that we don't talk enough about. If if that equality is important, then play house league. You're no kidding. And that's what I play, right? And 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 I'm fine with it. There's nothing wrong with it. But imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. You can't shop around and find the team that's going to make your play, your kid the best player no. or look at him as the best player. They've got to earn that. And getting cut, it's part of the process. It is. And because you don't get the role that you want all the time, doesn't mean that you're not meant for the role. It doesn't hurt for you to be a third-line checker every once in a while just because you were in the top two lines from the team that you came from, right? It doesn't. There are so many guys that come out of junior that are they score major points to get the National Hockey they're third- and fourth-line guys, yeah. right? The yeah. top two line, for sure, you, you bide, you, you, know, you wait, you, you bide your time, I get it. Um, see, see what bothers me about junior hockey, and I don't know if you and I've ever had what bothers me about hockey. Let's me let me put it that way. Bothers me when I watch kids under the age of 14 backing up. I don't think kids under 14 should back up. What do you mean back up? Back up. Put the equipment on, oh, sit there and oh, do nothing. Oh, sorry, and yeah, do yeah, nothing. Yeah, backup goalie. Yeah, back, yeah, sorry, yeah. backup goalie. Yeah. Jacob Markstrom yeah. tells a great story about playing in, in Sweden, and he was until 14, um, if he was either the starting goalie the backup where he skated yeah, because they had three goalies. Yep. Right. Yep. And I watch, I think it's absolutely ludicrous that a 12 year old kid sits and watches another kid play. It, does, it doesn't do anybody any good. No. And the same thing with young defensemen. When I was in junior a hockey, Oh, we're getting a kid who played in the Western league. No, we're getting a kid who spent a year in the Western right. hockey. League. There's a big difference. Um, a million percent. Right. And percent. these kids, these kids have got to develop. They got to play to develop. So yes, I just, that's the part that I wonder if we're not beginning to pay a price for yep. in this system that we're, that we've got these kids who have not failed, right? We're not grinding it out. I want to ask you last week, it came up and I was pretty harsh on it. What did you think when Alan Walsh came out and spoke on Jonathan Huberdeau's behalf this year? I thought it was brutal. I thought it was stupid. Okay. I thought it was immature. I thought it was, uh, if if I mean maybe Huberto had had those those conversations internally with the organization, mm-hmm. I would hope he would have himself. Because mm-hmm. if your agent has to take the social media to tell you how unhappy he is or how things are wrong with your organization, mm-hmm. it's embarrassing. I I would be embarrassed. I would feel like I wasn't um, an adult. I would feel like you know I have to have somebody else go talk for me. I'm a professional athlete, and my my mom and dad are still going to bat for me. It would be embarrassing for me. I thought it, I thought it was. I, I, it, it made me laugh because I couldn't believe it actually happened. And then when it did, it's like, I guess that's the way it goes now. I, and that's, yes. And that's kind of where I'm at is, is that where we're at? Because Alan Walsh has done it for countless clients, I know. right? He's become very good at it. And the last time I checked, none of those clients ever fired him. Do you, do you not think that uh, that's the, that's the game though? It's like, well, you would think as a player, he would tell the player, hey, I'm going to go on social media here. What do you think? And if they say, no, don't do it, don't do it. Like, you're in control here. You you pay this man. Do you want him to do it or no? If it's yes, then say, yeah, I know what, Alan and I were having a conversation. But it's always the same thing. I oh, know. Alan said, I right? wish he hadn't it's, said it, 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 it. So the lack of accountability there is gross. Because 
why would he make it a big spectacle? And then, you know, they make a big deal. Well, you know, I think Huberto had a good game, a couple, you know, couple games after. Like, oh, well, it took was Alan Walsh to stir the pot. <laughs> I think it's a joke. It, it, it's where I'm trying to get in all of this is where are we at right now? You know, because you've got a, you had a team that was self-professed dysfunctional. You had a GM that walked away from it. You had a coach that would hung around for two weeks and then was let go. And now you're starting fresh and you're likely going to end up with a, a young, a first time NHL coach. Does, is that more important? And then Columbus who gave that opportunity is now going back to a guy who was ostracized for three or four years and now he's being let back in, but he's, you know, his methods were not universally praised. No, but the, the accountability thing. And I just, yes, I know just going back to those Alan Walsh comments. I just, I was, I, I would have fired the guy. Honestly, it, it, it would be. But none I, of them ever do. I know. But that's the problem. It would be embarrassing for me to have to tell dad that I'm unhappy. So please don't talk to my bosses, but indirectly throw it out there. So I have to like what is accomplished by it is the fact that you just look like you are like I have a word that I have in my mind, but I can't say it. Um, well, we just have to tell Ty to stop listening. <laughs> Ty's the one that doesn't let me swear on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. So so in a nutshell. Great. So you're not accountable. So now what? Now, how do you coach players that aren't accountable? You're going to bring an accountable coach. They're just going to get mad. And then they're going to run the table on him, set the ship on fire and mm -hmm. say, hey, see, now we want a player's coach. Well, now you don't get the results because you're buddy, buddy. Yeah. And now, oh, that's a country club in here. So let me bring in the other guy again. What's the, what's the deal? What do you do? You know, and that's the thing. It's like, I don't think any one of those coaches, I mean, you have to have the position and that you uh, uh, in the organization, well, with your players, you have to have the respect of your players and the respect of the coach to go in and tell a coach to say, "Hey, you know what, man? Beat it. You know, we're we're everybody's going here as hard as they can. You can blah 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 blah, and they can get into it themselves. And there has to be a respect factor. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much that. I mean, the lack the lack of the team having a captain this year too. Well, if we didn't have our next guest waiting, we would talk about that because that's another one that. I think played a role, a huge a role. A million percent it did. Yeah. And Warren Peters would have been the best captain. By far. Right? Love that guy. I appreciate this. Thank you. Thank you for uh, having me. No problem. Um, I'm glad you could do it. Uh, very excited about Thursday when you're going for a tour with Melissa David. Yes. Um, so we're very excited about that. What Can't else wait. you got going on? Oh, you got a big event next Monday, don't you? At Water Learning Academy. Yep. You're the, you're the big honcho. I'm you're the big, the, the big, big cheese. cheese. Yeah. Yeah. I got to get my notes. I, I was actually supposed to have lunch them today, and I showed up at the Glencoe as opposed to Glencoe Golf and Country Club. So I missed my luncheon. <laughs> Hoity, so, uh, toity, holy to, uh, cow. Yeah, I know. I didn't know you were that kind of guy. It's crazy. You're, uh, you're running with some pretty cool I'm cracks. a bit of a big wheel. You I'm, are I'm a not big sure wheel I, down I the old cheese cracker, or, or yeah. the factory. Yeah. At the cracker factory. You're a big wheel. You're right. Yeah. Thanks, Croner. Hey, appreciate it. All right, buddy. Brent Cron joining us, everybody. Jack, can you do me a favor? Can you go over and grab my bag? Because that's where all my liners are. You know, the important liners that we have yes, to read <laughs> during the show. But I can't tell you. Brent, of course, joining us courtesy of uh, our good friends at Ski Seller Snowboard. SkiSellerSnowboard.com. 76 years in Calgary. Uh, four locations in the winter. Yep. One location in the summer. That's the one on McLeod Trail. And as well, right now, you can check out the off season. There's some deals there to be had. Always some deals there to be had. But we couldn't thank Neil and the gang enough for their support of this program. So when you're going skiing, when you're going snowboarding, 
you check out Ski Cellar Snowboard, skicellarsnowboard.ca. We are live in the Oodle Noodle studio, uh, bringing the heat as we always do, just like Oodle Noodle does. Um, and they have two locations in Calgary, 1244 uh, 17th Avenue Southwest, 105 Main Street North in Airdrie. Pick up and delivery, uh, both locations. So I have, I'm still behind because we started the show. Uh, just we went right in with Brent because I was, uh, was asked to. Um, but I have to do another read on another thing, but I want to bring in our next guest cause he can help me. Um, so, uh, very excited that Ryan Pike can join us and spend a little time. Ryan, this Saturday, do you know what's happening? I believe it's UFC 289 in Vancouver. It is UFC 289 in Vancouver, Nunez and Aldana. Um, it's the first time in four years that the UFC has been back in Canada. There are six Canadians on the card, but the headline is a pretty big fight. Would you not agree? I mean, Amanda Nunes is a terrifying human being in the best way possible. So, yeah, I, I think anytime you have a, a, a championship fight or just Amanda Nunes fighting in general, it's pretty big. I would say so. Um, of course, it's available on pay-per-view and uh, where you go to enjoy your UFC match. And I, as I said, did you realize six Canadians on the card? That's a lot. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a lot. And, you know, they, they haven't been back in, to Western Canada for various reasons in a while. And so it's it's going to be exciting, I think, uh, you know, for, you know, British Columbia especially has such a vibrant MMA community. And getting us, you know, for, for so many of these good young fighters who have basically been sort of topped out or, or, with how they can compete until UFC came back uh, to Western Canada. It's, it's going to be exciting to see some fresh faces get some big exposure. Um, you'll be taking this in? Perhaps I have a lot of things going on this weekend and a so lot of things going on lately. This obviously UFC 289 Nunez and Eldana. Um, great to see you. It's been a while. Um, last I, week you were away and I was away. I wasn't really away. I just wasn't doing my job. You were away <laughs> because you earned a vacation. Now you, you got to Vegas before everybody else did, right? I was in town the the night of I believe it was game five. They they had a chance to 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 eliminate Florida or eliminate uh, Dallas, not Florida, Dallas. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So you know, I I was there for other reasons, but it happened to coincide with the uh, the event. So I went down and checked out Toshiba Plaza, checked out uh, the festivities and stuff, and then I went to a dinner. So it was it was it was kind of cool. It's uh, if you ever have a chance to go to a game in Vegas or even just wander around in the festivities before the game it's a sight to behold they they mm -hmm. put on a good show even before the show i i noticed uh and you you and i are both big edm guys um but apparently somebody named marshmallow was playing before saturday so he has a big hat and he's got eyes on his hat um it seemed like a very big deal Evidently so. I mean, you know, it's uh, it falls out of my wheelhouse, but the kids seem to like it. The kids seem to like it. Speaking of which, uh, how many times did you visit Steak Shack? I only went to Shake Shack once. I was Shake I was Shack. really proud of myself. Uh, the the boys at Orange Nation were telling me that I had to go check out the Taco Bell Cantina, but my schedule just didn't align that way. When you have to go to Vegas and do all this work, you poor sob. You should have been given a little leeway. Somebody should have allowed you a day or two just to explore. Because I don't know if you've been, but Vegas is a fun place. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's it's one of those places. I was, it was kind of fun. I uh, uh, a friend of mine worked for the Raiders and really heavily recommended going to check out the stadium. So I did a stadium tour of uh, Allegiant Stadium, and whoo, 
they spent some money on that thing. But when you wander through it, you go, okay, I can see them spending a couple billion on this. And, you know, they, they didn't cut corners. They, you know, it's one of those things where if you're going to do a stadium to, to lure a team away from Oakland, you better make it nice. And they made it nice. And baseball's coming. I don't know if you heard. Yeah, allegedly, if they can figure out the funding for it. I mean, and I think the big challenge there is, I mean, for those of you not familiar with Las Vegas geography, uh, T-Mobile Arena, where the Golden Knights play, is just off the Strip. You access it via the Strip, but it's between uh, the old uh, Monte Carlo, now called Park MGM, and New York, New York. And so it's a, it's a nice spot. It's It's very central, easy to get to. There's nowhere to park a damn car, but, you know, you deal with it. Uh, a lot of people just park at casinos, pay the fee, and then wander over, which, you know, necessary evil, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, Allegiant Stadium is located, they have parking, but it's located sort of on the other side of uh, the interstate uh, on the south end of the Strip. And they want to put uh, the new stadium for the the, the soon-to-be Las Vegas Athletics, or whatever the hell they're going to call them, yes. on the south end of the Strip, uh, basically where the Tropicana is. And the challenge there is, you know, it's a it's not a giant lot, and there's going to be no damn parking. And traffic at that intersection of Tropicana and Las Vegas Boulevard sucks. Mm-hmm. And the you know parking and and or driving on the strip in general sucks. So uh, they're asking for a not insubstantial amount of money to add to the existing traffic woes in an already traffic congested area. So I will say, good luck to them. I mean, it'd be cool to sort of have another really cool thing in that area. I mean, F1's coming. They have, you know, any number of things. The the NBA is rumored to be heading there at some point. Uh, so, I mean, good for them, but whew, they're going to have to figure out a way to solve a few problems that they've already created by putting all this stuff just in a very compact area. Um, speaking of solving problems, compacted areas and parking, uh, I believe the uh, arena where the event center was on the docket for city council today. Did we have much news? Not really. I mean, it was a lot of it was just a presentation about things that we already knew about uh, a lot of, you know, discussion of cash flow stuff, uh, things like that. They're working on the contracts as we speak, and they're hoping to have those things all sort of set up. They, they're hoping, quote, in a few months, which could really mean anything. I'd be my guess is we hear an update on the contract sometime in September maybe October, depending, but you know, they have a lot of people working on this stuff in the background. I think this is something that, you know, a lot of people have been spending the the bulk of their working hours on at City Hall for the la- better part of the last decade, and bless their hearts, I think they're all going to be very excited to work on something else for a little while. Sure. Uh, but, you know, they still have probably, you know, realistically, if all goes well, I mean, you know, the, the province won't be able to sign off on their stuff until the money's in place. The money won't be in place until, I believe, uh, their cabinet and then treasury has to approve it, which will probably be a rubber stamp because they have a majority government, but uh, it'll be, that'll be done in August at which point then they can finally actually execute the contracts, but the work can be done on preparing the contracts. They can do everything but sign before the money's in place. Uh, But you know, it's going to be a lot of those kind of things where they're not going to have a lot to tell us until the contracts are all done. So we won't be able to get much of an, much of an update substantively until probably September ish. I did I or did I not see that there is some discussion of a mechanism for cost overruns that was a yes. bit of a bugaboo the last go round. It's uh it's 50-50. Okay. Between uh, CSEC and the city. Okay. But uh, evidently, you know, the I believe it was the city manager 
uh, either the city manager or the city general manager, both of them spoke. Uh, but it was one of the city representatives mentioned at today's meeting that you know they're they they basically built some contingencies into the numbers that we have. So mm -hmm. the one point two two three billion, you know, any number that includes a B better include contingencies, and you know the they've included some contingencies. But this is you know the the case is that you know CSEC's putting up forty million up front, and the bulk of the rest of the money, better part of eight hundred million dollars, is being fronted by the city, and then the CSEC's lease payments, the seventeen million dollars a year, and escalating a percent, one percent a year for, after that, you know that's all being fronted by the city, and you know covered by the money they have in place, and then working capital funds. So, you know it's the it's the city taking on a decent amount of uh, upfront risk, and then CSEC is taking on you know they're tied to a 35 year lease. So, you know, if, if, you know, if they're, I'll say this, you know, it, the $17 million a year lease payments give CSEC an incentive to start getting this thing going and make it profitable pretty early on because, you know, the, you know, you got to event management and event promotion is very competitive in North America and you got to establish yourself quickly because, you know, once you get going there, you, you know, you're going to owe some money to the city right away. Yep. And, you know, if you can figure out a way to get going and do it well early on, then you can have a pretty profitable business. And if you can't, then you're still on the hook for the money. Whoa. And, you know, so I guess that's sort of the, the downside risk for CSEC in the long term. But I don't know. It's uh, it's one of those things where you hope that uh, everyone feels like the risk is spread out as you know, as close to 50, 50 as you can, because, you know, if it's not spread out, then one side will end up being pretty unhappy with the deal. I'll, I'll ask you one question and you might just not be able to answer it and that's okay. We'll move on. But we are a week away removed from the election from your contacts and what you heard. Was this much of a factor in polling? Did it, did it really resonate as an election issue? Not really. I mean, I think people who, you know, I'll say this, uh, Rachel Notley had every opportunity to gain political points by coming out vehemently against it and saying no public money for billionaires. And, you know, we've, we've heard, you know, there's various people, political strikes have done that in the past in various, various municipalities that didn't happen here. In fact, that, you know, it was the, the worst she said was we need more details. And then when they released their costed uh, campaign platform later on, it included money for the, the, the arena and also some matching funds for a project in Edmonton that they hadn't figured out yet. It's sort of the, oh, well, we want to make it fair to Edmonton, so we'll throw sure. something in there too, Equitable. which is going to end up happening for yeah. this provincial government anyway. So, you know, it's it was a choice between one group to propose to give money to this project and another group that said, oh, okay, sure, well, you know, we're not against it. So I don't think it ended up being a wedge issue at all, actually. Okay. No, I, I just never felt that way to me. Um, that's why I thought I'd ask you if you were, it just, yeah, I, I thought, oh, well, okay. We know what the, the election is going to be about. Just didn't seem to resonate. Um, let's work backwards with the local hockey heroes. Um, we'll get back to the GM in a second, but he's already been busy. Um, combine this week in Buffalo. Uh, we expect it. There'll be more second round, whatever we want to call it, or, uh, the next round of coaches interviews, but also the, you know, the, the, the viewing and, and testing and, and interviewing of, of potential prospects. Um, but last week there was some work to be done, which was they had, was it five players to potentially qualify? Five they players. They chose to qualify none. That is correct. Uh, Lucas folk, uh, was a fourth round pick in 2019. Um, he, he was a guy that sort of bounced around secondary and tertiary Swedish pro. And then they brought him over here on an AHL deal to basically go, well, 
if we're going to say, if we're not going to sign the guy, let's at least bring him in and see what he can do. And he spent most of the year, I think all the year with rapid city and was, you know, he was, he was fine, you know, but I don't think you sign guys who were fine in the ECHL. And that was the decision they came to as well. Uh, the, the, other four are all 2021 picks. Uh, mm-hmm. That was the the very weird year. That was the the year where it was hard to tra- for scouts to travel, and you know some leagues just didn't play. The OHL didn't play. Uh, Jack Beck did not have a draft year, and then he came in and he played two pretty decent seasons. But you know Jack Beck, uh, kind of a smallish offensive forward, and he had a couple gnarly injuries. He had a a kidney contusion, which if you Google it, sounds really bad. It basically means your kidney is bruised and won't stop bleeding. Uh, which does not sound fun at all. And then he had, I believe, uh, a suspected concussion. Uh, The term that was used by the team was upper body injury, but he got hit in the head. So, I mean, could have been a concussion, could have been something else. But, you know, they the Flames right now have Rory Karens, who, you know, was a really small, he was another smallish offensive OHL forward that they signed. Uh, He had a, I believe the year he was uh, signed, he was, I think, top five in OHL scoring that year. They signed him, sent him to, you know, he went in the the farm system and he spent the majority of last year uh, in the ECHL with Rapid City because of the numbers game. And, you know, when, you know, a guy who hits three figures for for points uh, is sort of, you know, stuck in the ECHL mire for much of the year, it doesn't really make you have a lot of confidence in signing a guy that was just over a point a game. So I think that probably factored into it too. Uh, who else? Cam, why not? De- defenseman at Halifax. Another guy that sort of struggled to stay healthy. So he didn't really have a large enough sample size for you to figure out what the hell he was. Uh, Cole Huckins uh, played, uh, he was drafted out of uh, Acadie Bathurst, but got traded to Sherbrooke. He spent the year as sort of a secondary offensive guy in Sherbrooke this year. Good, but not great offensive numbers. Uh, sort of consistency was considered one of the challenges with him this year. And so, mm-hmm. again, you know, it was sort of a question of what the hell is he at the, as a pro level? And the answer was there weren't sh- they weren't really sure, I think. And so they ended up not signing him. And the final one, Cole, Cole Jordan out of Moose Jaw. Uh, when he was drafted, WHL scouts I talked to love the kids' uh, intangibles. Great skater, good mobility, good head for the game. Another guy that just could not stay healthy. He was, uh, you know, basically shut down for the year, I believe in December of this year with uh, an injury. He had an injury the year before that basically wiped out half of his season. So, you know, it's, it's, this is the, this was the cursed draft year. In addition to yeah. not having uh, the same looks you would normally get uh, at these guys in their draft year, you know, all four of the guys from the 21 class that they didn't sign, you know, had absences from the lineup for, various reasons that really made it difficult to get a good handle on how they're progressing and what they could progress into. And so, you know, back to the drawing board, uh, uh, folk is now going to be a UFA. He can be signed by anyone. And the other four guys are going back into the, the pool for this year's draft class. Uh, we'll see what happens. I can see Jack Beck getting picked up by someone who, who has an extra seventh or sixth round pick, because I think there's some potential there. And he seems like the kind of guy though, that you would try to sign to like an AHL deal and say, okay, go nuts. Because, you know, I just think that, especially now with how competitive things are, I mean, you know, now that the the Flames have the last two seasons established that they have a really strong AHL program and they've seen, uh, you know, the benefits to development of having a really strong AHL program, you sort of have to, you're sort of tied to that. You can't really, you know, let yourself have your AHL program have a step back. And so one of the, the consequences of that is some of the guys that you're sort of borderline on, maybe, you know, you opt for, more sure thing depth guys. I mean, you know, Ben Jones is a good example where three, four years ago, the flames might not have signed Ben Jones, but you know, 
because 23, 24 year old guy, who, you know, who maybe just a quad a guy, but maybe five years ago, they go, eh, we'll, we'll sign a, a guy out of the OHL. Cause maybe he has upside. Ben Jones might not have more upside than he has right now, but Ben Jones is a very good AHLer and having a very good AHLer helped sort of bring up the games of the guys playing with him. So yeah. it's kind of a different developmental mindset. And I don't know if there's either a good nor bad to it, you know, they all have their up. They all have their benefits, but yeah, it's uh, you know, I know some folks were social media folks are very disappointed on uh, no Jack Beck, and uh, I don't know. I like Jack Beck, good player. I don't know if I would have signed him given the same circumstances too, because you know, you just don't know what he is right now. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I thought it was a little early to start making evaluations on the new general manager based on that, but here we are. That's the beauty of social media. Um, coach. Uh, you hear things. Uh, I'm still stuck where, I, for whatever reason, I got Hulsa. Uh, I've got uh, um, Husk in my in my head. I just I don't know why, but it just sticks there. Uh, you, we had the great conversations about who you would talk to in the general manager case. What about as a coach? Where, where are you looking? What are you thinking? Honestly, right now I'm I'm thinking they go internal. It feels like they're going internal. Uh, they're paying a head coach four million dollars the next two years to not coach for them, and you know I think I think the big challenge is, you know, I think you kind of have a sense of how Love Muller or Huska would engage with the group they have now. I think you know especially with you have a general manager that you know his sort of the social butterfly of all the general managers he of all the candidates they have or they probably looked at for GM he's the guy who probably knows the personalities on the NHL roster the best and you know also being not too far removed from being a player himself would have an idea of what type of personality would be able to engage with and maximize the guys they have and so that's why I'm kind of thinking because he knows the the players pretty well and he knows the dynamics pretty well he probably would opt to hire a coach they know pretty well and you know i'm kind of like you i'm i'm thinking it's husk or love uh i really respect kirk muller as a coach but he's also bless his heart the flames power play was not good this year and if they were league average they probably make the playoffs and so it was a circumstance where the the area he was responsible for the fours and the power play end up being less than some of their parts and so i'd probably lean against giving him a bigger opportunity, unfortunately. Whereas with Ryan Huska, you know, his penalty kill, even if the flames were sort of all over the place elsewhere, the defensive group, despite losing, you know, you know, Chris Tanev was playing below hundred percent much of the year. They missed stone for much of the year. They had no Chillington all year. They sort of were figuring out Mackenzie Weger as the season went on. But if you look at how that defensive group evolved from game one to game 82, given the circumstances, given the guys they did and didn't have at their, at their disposal, and looking at how the penalty kill really worked, even with them bringing bodies in and out of the lineup, moving guys up and down, like they had a lot of different people engaged in that situation. But the penalty kill was probably the part of the of the organization, part of the game that worked the most consistently. And those are Ryan Huska's babies. And so if you're looking at sort of, you know, the performance-based metrics, you probably point to the AHL head coach and the guy doing the NHL power or penalty kill and uh, and. PK or a defensive group as the guys you probably go, Hmm, maybe those guys. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, you know, it sounds like they're down to short strokes on this. And I imagine, you know, the, with the, everything going on this week, they probably would like to have everything come to a resolution in the next week or so, just so they could really 
draw their focus to a building out a coaching staff and B just drilling down on their, on their, you know, on all the other things. I mean, yep. you need, if you know, the big question of the summer is, is Elias Lindholm going to be a flame exactly in the next year or two? And the answer, the, you know, if I'm Elias Lindholm's representation, I go, depends who's the coach. Yep. Because you know, you, you would need to know if you're going to have a chance to, to do something here. So this is the first domino uh, that's going to fall and it's probably going to fall. I'd say reasonably soon in the next week or so. And then after that, a lot of other things will happen and you know, hell, we don't even know what the cap number is going to be yet. So uh, this is, this is the, this is the, the next three weeks I think are going to be some of those fascinating three weeks in club history, recent club history, at least because this thing could turn in any number of directions based on, who they hire, what guys react to when they, they who gets hired, uh, other announcements they might have. You know, there, there's the perpetual rumor that Jerome McGinley is going to join the coaching staff. And based on the people who are saying it, I don't think he's joining the coaching staff. I think he's probably going to come in as a consultant of some kind. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you probably have that kind of announcement coming up. And I think that'll make people happy. But there's a lot of things swirling around that could fall in certain ways over the next few weeks to make the Flames a very attractive place to play. And there's some things that, depending on who you hire, could make it a little bit less attractive. So, you know, it's a, it's going to be fascinating, man. Is there a, is it either or in the sense of, of Huska and, and Love? If you hire Huska, does that mean you're automatically going to lose Love? If you go with Love, does that mean Huska leaves? Huska did you know, interviewed with Detroit last year and I'm sure his, his focus is here right now, but uh, you know, are, are you going to eventually be recruiting as well for a head coach in the American hockey? League? That's a good question. And I think the, I think the challenge is, you know, much, much like if you, if you're a player, like say, if you're a young player and you sign with the flames, you want to know what's the plan for me? Like say, I'm sure Matthew Phillips is sort of sitting around going, so what's the plan guys? I mean, mm -hmm. cause he has options and, mm -hmm. You know, we know Mitch Love will have options. We know Ryan Huska has had options very recently, and I can't imagine that Ryan Huska's stock has dipped. He's no. probably, you know, being a, a being a, a face of calm in the 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 hurricane that was the Flames of the past year probably makes Ryan Huska a more attractive candidate elsewhere too. And so, if I'm one of those guys, if you come to me and say, "Hey, it's not you. Do you want to stay?" My question is, why? Like, what's the what's this plan for me? And because I think Ryan Husko in this organization has probably done everything he can do outside of be a head coach. If you're Mitch Love, if they say, hey, we want you to be an AHL assistant, you want, you want to work with, with Ryan Huska. My question, if I'm him, is what's the plan here? Because, you, you know, if you're if you're a head coach, especially these guys, you know, they, they keep their ears to the ground. They kind of know what's going on in their organization and others. You know, you want to know that you're going to have a chance and, you know. Maybe, maybe not. I, I, part of me thinks it is probably one or the other because there's enough other teams, co you know, doing coaching hires or looking for guys that, you know, you probably are end up hiring for another role depending on who you get. Yeah, it, you know, it, it kind of Spencer Carberry last week with Washington kind of in, in many ways sparked some conversations around Mitch Love because he was that guy that not that long ago, right? That head coach in the American Hockey League that a lot of people – and and I – posed the question and it was countered beautifully because I, to me, if you want to be a head coach, then be a head coach. If you're going to go be an assistant coach, does that do you any value? But I believe it was Eric Dehatchek who countered with, yeah, but it gets you in the NHL. You see the travel, you see the buildings, you see the life, you get up to speed. There's value in going up and, and being on that staff and seeing that, that yes, while being a head coach and making all the decisions, sure, that's, that's important. But having that exposure to the life in the NHL will benefit a young coach. Oh yeah, I definitely agree. And I think, 
I think that's one of the things. I think one of the most challenging things to do in an organization, though, is go from being the NHL assistant to the NHL head coach because, you know, it's a completely different relationship and a completely different mindset. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've seen, you know, like Jim Playfair was a fantastic assistant coach in the NHL. And then, you know, he got promoted to to replace Daryl Sutter and it just didn't work. It just, it didn't click in the way that it had in other places, but there have been cases. I mean, historically, if you look at the, some of the best flames head coaches, some of the best flames head coaches have been the guys they brought up from the AHL. And sometimes it works really well. And sometimes again, you know, you don't have credibility. And I think that's the big challenge. I think figuring out, you know, that's, that's probably the secret sauce of it all. Figuring out who's going to have credibility with that locker room, with that group to say, guys, here's what we're doing. Because, you know, there's oftentimes where, you know, I think a lot of guys like Glenn Goldson, I think was one guy that when he came in, he, you know, at times had credibility problems with the locker room. And so, you know, we, he had that famous, the stick throwing thing where I think, you know, there was a, a period of frustration, both, you know, amongst the players and amongst the coaching staff, because things Were weren't going the way that I was, I wasn't there that day, but it was just some brilliant theater. Well, it, yeah, it was, but it also felt so it, in a way it felt forced. Yeah, I, I, it was. I, you know what I mean? To yeah, it was. It was obvious. It was obviously for show. Sure. But I mean, you know, it's it's like anything else. I mean, you only do that when you've tried other things and they didn't really work. That's so, but I yeah, I think that's you know we've you know you we've we've all worked in in various places. You know, Rob in your career, my career, mm-hmm. we've worked with people who are you know. I'll say this: like some of the best writers don't make the best editors, and some and unfortunately oh. that's where they sometimes they throw. Me. Yeah, sometimes they, they throw you, the, it's a completely different skill set. And I think that's sort of the same mindset in terms of being an assistant coach and being a head coach. I mean, Ryan Huska is a fantastic tactical uh, penalty killing coach. Will he? Would he be good at running a bench at the NHL level? I have no idea. Was he great at running a, a bench at the AHL level? He was pretty good. But the, the mindset at that point was, you know, Ryan, we want you to produce NHL players and we don't particularly care if you win or lose. And he was given that mindset and he was given those marching orders and he succeeded. Uh, so I don't think he was trying to, to win less than he did, but the, the, the marching orders, the marching orders, marching I think the, orders. I think the marching orders from Rich Love were a lot different than the marching orders. They gave Kale McLean or they gave Ryan Huska. And so, you know, it's, I think that's why I think it's difficult to really, you know, people are, I've seen this kind of chatter around going, Oh, they should hire Mitch Love because Mitch Love is better, a better AHL head coach than, uh, than Ryan Huska was. And my answer to that is, I don't know if you can necessarily conclude that because the jobs were basically defined differently at that point. Yep. I, which I, is to say, I don't know which one of the two they would hire if it was a choice between the two, because I think they're both exceptionally smart hockey people and they, they do things in such completely different ways that I think either guy would have, would potentially have success if he surrounded himself with the right coaching staff. Why hasn't anybody brought up Kale McLean's name? I don't know. I, th- I mean, it's because he's not on the benches often. He's the eye in the sky guy. So yeah. he's the he's the tactical change guy. He's the watch yeah. out for the forecheck guy. And he's, you know, dating back to when he was in the, the AHL, he's always had a really good knack for sort of tactics and sort of breaking the stuff down. And I think he's really well suited to the job he has. I would be really curious to see if after whatever coaching changes happen, if he ends up with bigger role, because mm-hmm. I think, you know, like he's... Role. Yeah, like I, I, th- you know, because I, th- I think he's been utilized well, but I think he also has a lot of potential to be utilized in a larger way. Yeah, I don't disagree. Um, let's take a look at a couple <laughs> things that are connected that happened that we haven't had a chance to talk about. Um, 
Kyle Dubas is in Pittsburgh, but now he's the president of hockey operations. And uh, Brad Trilliving's the 18th general manager in Toronto. Um, you know, Craig, obviously, we know about that story. But tell me about Toronto. Tell me about Pittsburgh. What surprises you or doesn't surprise you about those two hires? Honestly, they both kind of make sense to me. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we... I've gotten, I've had the opportunity to, to get to know Brad for living over the last decade reasonably well. I have a lot of respect for him. I think, you know, he, it takes a lot of balls to a walk away from it. Like he had a, a contract waiting for him here. Yeah. It takes some backbone to say, no, thanks. I'll try something else because this is, this is the, the situation he knows. Like he knows all the media people. He knows all the players. He knows the owner's expectations. And it takes a lot of, of, you know, backbone to just go, no, nah, I'm going to do my own thing. It also takes a lot of backbone to willingly choose Toronto because, yeah, it's the Leafs. It's the show. In Canada, it's – I can't imagine outside of maybe Montreal if there's a more pressure-packed environment for a player or executive or coach than Toronto. It's just if you succeed in Toronto, it's great. If you do anything but, you're a pariah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, And if you want to get a sense of that, look at some of the fan reaction to Kyle Dubas departing. Uh, so Trilliving, I think he's – he, he went into this with eyes open and I think he kind of had a feeling my guess is that there might be openings elsewhere and I think he fits really well for how Toronto wants to go because it's a they're in win now mode and that's been the mindset that Calgary's had for the last few years and I think he's used to that kind of mindset and that kind of pressure and now the question will be can he figure out a way to ice a team that fits under the salary cap I'm sure Brandon Pritchard and his crew will do their level best to keep them below but i don't think there's been a team that a has had more cap juggling to do over the last few years than toronto or b has found a way to succeed like they've they've dressed c they've dressed u sports goaltenders multiple times in the last season or two because they had no damn money and they've still managed to succeed in the regular season and on one hand it's terrifying that they had to do that on the other hand you got to respect the audacity of spending all your cap space like that because you only do that if you're confident in the guys you have I want to ask you a kind of a nuclear winter question. And, and I, I guess the new thing in sports talk radio is when you do this, you got to qualify it by this is a news. Don't, don't tweet that we're talking about. No, I'm just asking to get cap space. You have to move one of the big four, right? That's in Toronto. That's, you know, that's, that's the most efficient way to do it. Okay. Okay. So, you can, there's other ways to do it. I mean, you know, you can, Let's go this way. Like here, here, you know, in Calgary, you're looking at ideas for opening a cast base, and you know, they, well, the ideas is lobbed around is like, oh, you just trade a defenseman, and then you simply bring in a slightly less expensive defenseman. I mean, yes. you can do that if you're up against the salary cap. You know, if you if you you could rearrange the deck chairs, sure, and just sort of do money in, money out moves, or you can like blow a hole in the side of the ship and then move out one of your big guys. But I I think you know it's I think. uh that's always going to be the thing they talk about in Toronto because right. until those big four lead them to a parade, I think the the first suggestion every offseason is going to be, oh, they got to move one of those guys because that's the easiest way to shake up the team. And it would be, but you know, would they sh- would that shake up the team in the way they they really want to? Because I would argue the biggest challenge the Leafs had in the postseason was you know not surrendering goals. I think if they were a little bit better defensively or a little bit better in net, then 
I don't think we're having that conversation. I think we're having a completely different conversation. But it's it's the same kind of thing we talk about when you think about the Edmonton Oilers, where it's like, oh, they're putting so much money between Nugent Hopkins and Dreisaitl and, and that McDavid guy. Oh, they need to get better defensively. Well, yeah, of course they do. Because, you know, they, they're at a position where they can't, they weren't able to outscore their defensive mistakes. That was the situation in Toronto. And I think Toronto, because they have a big four rather than a big two or a big three, it gives them a little bit more wiggle room to figure out ways to, you know, work around their mistakes. I just think the challenge is with that defensive group they had and, you know, poor Mark Giordano finally almost looking his age. I think the, the big challenge is that the guys they have invested in haven't really panned out on the blue line exactly the way they hoped. So if he goes down to Arizona, he being Brad Trillip, goes down to Arizona, talks to Austin Matthews, and Austin Matthews hesitates in the slightest. He gets the same inclining that he got at the end towards Goudreau and Kachuk. And he is f- forced to trade Austin Matthews at the draft this year. What would the fallout of that be? Because Me- Nylander's been the kind of the, the whipping boy, right? Like, you can get rid of Nyl- get rid of Nylander. Go ahead and get rid of Nylander. And then Tavares is the two years of the really expensive contract. The guy they want to keep is Matthews long-term. But Tree Living, Conroy, everybody talks about the lesson they learned in Goudreau. So you'd have to think that if he gets any kind of signal from Austin Matthews that he doesn't want to sign long-term, he's going to move him, right? Probably, but I don't know if he rushes out and does it by the draft. I think. Oh, okay. I, I think the draft is a great opportunity to do it, but I think the draft is also an opportunity. Like oh, this way, the I, I still think that the 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 trade that the Flames made and Florida made with Matthew Kachuk was it was a good trade for both teams. They get they they both got what they needed. A hockey trade. Yeah, it was a hockey trade, and I think you know, especially with you know the right now the incl- the the inkling is that you know barring some deal between the NHL and NHLPA. And as an aside, I think I think Gary Bettman's comments that the cap's only going up $1 million is as much a negotiating ploy with him and the NHLPA okay. as it is anything else. But, okay. you know, if nothing happens, the cap's only going up by a million bucks. Yep. So you're going to have a lot of teams that are sort of up against it. So you're almost going to have to see, you know, a money in money out trade or some sort of a hockey trade, the way the flames made the way Florida made the way, you know, some other teams have tried to make. And I think that opens up a lot of opportunities because, you know, I think if you talk to, if you talk to, if you talk to Matthews right now, if you, if we go down, sit down with him, have, have dinner mm-hmm. and say, what do you want to do? And he goes, ah, maybe I want to try something else. If he tells you that you go, where do you want to go? And then tell yeah. me, give me some names, give me a list and give me some time to, to get the price up. And then, you know, you want to put him. You want to. I, I think that, especially in a cap world where it's more and more difficult. Like you can't. You know, most teams can't afford to throw stupid money at players. They can afford to throw respectable money at players. They can throw you know market specific numbers at players. But I say you know Matthew Kachuk is probably going to make similar money no matter where he went because mm-hmm. of the contract comparables. Yeah. And so you know how you treat players determines how many players consider you if you have a reputation for being a good place to play a good ownership group a good management group good coaching staff good support staff good whatever people who are sort of on the fence will go hey you know i know so and so they played in calgary they said that was a great a fun place to play they had a good time let's go and you know if you have that reputation you can get guys and i think part of that is when you have situations like this i mean brad you're living very much when 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 matthew kachuk said I don't know if I want to stay long term. Brad Living could was very much within his rights to say tough shit and just park him. Oh, yeah. 
And, you know, it could have turned really contentious. And some some managers would have done it that way. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, both for how True Living is going to be, you know, dealt with in Toronto and how the Flames are going to be dealt with long term. I think it helps to be known as someone who's willing to do business. And if you're if you talk to Matthews and, you know, he goes, I don't know. I think the next next question you have for him is, where do you want to be? And if the answer is not Toronto, if he gives you some names, gives you some, some things, you can spend the summer getting him a good landing spot, getting him a spot where he wants to be and, and facilitating that. And I think if you are able to figure that stuff out, you can get some stuff from him. You can get some stuff for him. And I think the same product conversation will be happening with the Flames and Elias Lindholm once they get a coach in place. Because if the answer is, where do you want to be? Not Calgary. Okay, what do you want to be? Where can we put you? Where yep. can we put you that you'll be happy? And I think especially, you know, it's been a flat cap the last few years. This might be the last year of the flat cap. Yep. And then the the deluge of money opens up next year. And I think more and more that'll make, you know, reputation will matter as everyone gets a bit of money to spend. And, and for the record, I, I was just asking a questionable process, which you answered beautifully. I think Matthew stays in Toronto. I, I'm not. I think he does too, because I think he's, he's, you know, he's a hockey guy. He's a, he's a, but he had listened to him speak. He seems like a giant nerd. And I mean that in the best way possible. Oh, but about the sport. Yeah. Like he, yeah. he sounds like someone who, you know, it's winning, you know, if you win in Toronto, I think you cement yourself as someone who will be beloved forever. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, Cliff, Cliff Fletcher, granted, Cliff Fletcher is a legend because he did a lot of great things before he got to Toronto. Cliff Fletcher goes to Toronto. If he wins, he wins. Maybe he's in the hall of fame twice. I don't know. Mm -hmm. No, but, I, 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 again, they'll print your face on money. Yeah. You though get, you'll be, you could, you could run for prime minister. If, if you, if you get the leaves into a final, let alone win it. hundred percent. Speaking of final, um, one game in, uh, Vegas, with a, a win, I mean, it was tied in the third period. I don't know how much weight that carries, but it was tied in the third period. Vegas, though, takes game one, game two going tonight. Uh, I'm not asking for anything other than a thought, I guess, on game one. I'll say this. Whew, man, that unraveled quickly, didn't it? But yeah. Vegas has Vegas has the ability to do that. They have you know, a team full of really smart, really skilled players. They're well coached. They have depth everywhere. They're getting good and occasionally very good goaltending mm -hmm. and you know, they, they have the ability, like they have that confidence on home ice that few other teams have. I mean, you know, the running joke is the house always wins because they have that great home record and you know, the Vegas flu necessarily might be a thing of the past, but it's still like a loud, obnoxiously energetic place to play. Yep. And in a close game, if you're, if you're just paying more attention to the obscene chance or the loudness than you are to what's going on the ice. The margins are so thin that having having the home crowd on you might make a difference. And I think to a certain extent, it made a difference in game one. Yeah, I, I expect a different uh, a different Florida tonight, but we will see. Um, what do we got going on? Because again, for some reason, you just choose not to be uh, not to slow down uh, at Flames Nation. What's going on as we head towards the draft? Yeah, well, we, we're continuing our first round target series, looking at a bunch of uh, different players the Flames could select at 16. Uh, I've already looked at a lot of players. Uh, Matthew Wood from the University of Connecticut, who's uh, played on a team that the, that Yan Kuznetsov came from, played at a team that Arseny Sergeyev is currently playing for. Uh, but we had some other ones, we're, and then we're going to delve into as we get closer to the draft some of the the second and, and fourth round targets. So you know, 
there's a lot of names out there that really seem to fit the build the Flames have been going on. But I think the, the fun X factor right now is, are we assuming the Flames are going to draft sort of for the same qualities under Craig Conroy that they did under Brad Living? I think for this season, probably, because, you know, their marching orders were from Brad for the things that Brad valued. But I think, you know, probably after this season, we're going to see some tweaks. But for right now, I mean, you know, it's a it's a bit of a it's a bit of an exercise in guesswork more so than usual. But you know, that's that's kind of what makes the draft fun. I mean, it's it's one of those events that is really exciting because you know, I think you and I have joked about it. it's the for two hundred and twenty some players, it's the best day of their lives. And it's the day where all the teams are undefeated and it's the great reset button for everybody and everybody's got hope. And then they go into free agency, everyone's excited. And then everyone's going to be filled with hope until what that second week of October where everyone starts feeling a little bit down. Yep. There we go. Could they take another college forward? Yes, they could. Technically they can. Right. And it could be this guy. Matthew Wood. Right shot forward. Seems like something the flames always need, huh? Yeah. You never have enough, right? Hey, the, the he, he scores goals, and there's one thing that I uh, I believe is important in hockey. This is a controversial <laughs> statement. The team that wins the games tends to score more than the other team. They do indeed. Uh, thank you, my friend. Uh, we will catch up with you next week. Thanks for doing this. Take care. There you go. Ryan Pike, the managing editor of Flames Nation. Our guest brought to you by Ski Seller Snowboard, skisellersnowboard.com. 76 years in Calgary. Visit them, McLeod Trail by Chinook Center. Then again, when ski season starts, they'll open up the other three locations. So uh, game two tonight, a couple things because we uh, just jumped on with Cron right at the beginning. Quebec winning the Memorial Cup, uh, 6-0 over Seattle. Patrick Waugh's club made it look real easy. Uh, the big question now is where does Patrick Waugh go? Um, and if you're that type of person, and I am not that type of person now, the uh, Western League struggling to win Memorial Cups, the Quebec League can't be stopped. Uh, what do we do? Should we have a Should we have a summit? Should we have a Western Hockey Summit? Uh, I'll pass. Thank you. Um, series in the NBA is tied at a game apiece. Miami winning on the road, 111-108 over Denver. So that shifts back on Wednesday uh, to Miami. Uh, the Maple Leafs, the, Maple Leafs, the uh, Blue Jays sweeping the Mets. 6-4 was the win yesterday. So uh, they took three games. And then we are on the cusp of the beginning of the CFL season. We are on the cusp of the beginning of the CFL season. BC at Calgary on Thursday. Um, can I say that or not yet? Not yet. Can I say not it? Yet. Okay. I will not say it. Jack says I can't say it. I want to really want to not yet. Uh, by the way, though, Saturday, you better have plans for this. Uh, UFC 289 Nunez and Eldana, uh, for the first time in almost four years, uh, UFC is back in Canada at Vancouver, at Vancouver's Rogers arena this Saturday. Uh, the card is stacked. Look at the top end. Um, you're going to have one of the, at least one of the best that ever did it. And, uh, and Nunez competing, um, the, the, you know, the lightweight bout, nothing to, to, you know, to smirk at. Uh, but what I love six Canadians on the card. So lots of Canadian content, lots of reasons to be excited about it. Uh, UFC 289, Nunez versus Aldana at Vancouver's Rogers Arena, Saturday, June 10th. Check it out on pay-per-view. Or if you're like me, you go down to your favorite watering hole and you watch it there. Um, that's, that's how I partake in my UFC. Uh, let's hit to the final mile. 
uh, a couple things. Um, goodbye. Um, thank you. Um, it was Calgary says goodbye to Bob Niven, uh, who passed away a couple of days ago. Uh, one of the huge pieces in the uh, 88 bid, uh, uh, again, Bob Niven's work in, in Calgary, uh, not only in sport, but with Special Olympics. Uh, he was a builder. When we started the program back in February, and I was on my uh, soapbox about heroes and the city needing visionaries, it's gentlemen like Bob Niven and, and King, um, you know, and, and the likes that, that really saw us to that, that great, which defined our city in so many ways. So we say goodbye uh, to Bob Niven and, and those who know him and love him. Um, will appreciate the fact that he's got a mark that will never, ever, ever wash away from the city and just have to do this. How about uh one time flame prospect? Uh, and I believe maybe the most popular player I've outside of Craig Conroy I've ever seen Pete Vandermeer. Uh, he is going to uh, pick up the distinguished member award from the 2023 professional hockey players associations, annual meeting of player representatives. Uh, Pete, uh, one of the toughest guys you'll ever meet was a career minor leaguer was everybody's favorite teammate. Cause he took care of them, but he also did the work as a, a distinguished member in the professional hockey players association, fighting for the rights of American hockey league players and ECHL players. Uh, Pete's up in central Alberta. The family are still a going concern in all matters, hockey up there. And every once in a while I get the, the, the opportunity and the pleasure of bumping into him. But um, just one of one of my favorites, uh, Pete Vandermeer. If you ever met him, ever golfed with him, ever uh, as long as you didn't have to fight him, I think you'd like him. I really do. I think he'd be one of your favorites. Uh, a couple more shows this week. Uh, we're going to talk some basketball on Wednesday. Uh, Nelson Taroba, the head coach of the Calgary Surge, uh, they're at home on Friday. Nelson's going to join us. We'll talk to the coach, and I'm actually going to bring up a little bit of what I talked about. Uh, today with um, Croner about young players. Uh, and speaking of which, I, I keep bringing up her name, um, talked briefly with her here, uh, I believe this morning. Uh, we are going to get Carla McLeod on the podcast here in the coming weeks. So looking forward to that. Um, so lots to do, lots to talk about CFL. I still no. Okay. Can't say nothing about that. But it's good. It is good. Uh, thanks to Brent Cron. Thanks to Ryan Pang. Ryan Pang, uh, Ryan Pike. Oh, good Lord. I didn't even do a full two-hour show, and I'm punchy. Uh, thanks to our outstanding producers, Jack and RJ, for doing another great job. Back here with you on Thursday. Note the start time of Barnburner, by the way, guys. Uh, now 10 o'clock in the morning, so 10 o'clock. So make sure you're adjusting appropriately and not joining halfway in, because if you're like me and you join that show halfway and you don't have a clue what they're talking about, honest to God, it's just a joke. Uh, just, it's too much. No, they're great. Uh, all right. We'll see you Wednesday. Thanks, everybody. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.